Wiz and Guru, we are back. It's Wednesday, May the 13th. And how do we know it's Wednesday? Because tonight is Survivor Finale Night. Guru, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic. A lovely, lovely May day today. That's for sure. Yeah, you you seem got a real spring in your step. You've been playing a few rounds of golf out there. Oh, I feel like a human being again. Unfortunately, the uh, governor of New Jersey has still made it to be that you can only play two people in a group. But uh, but it's been nice getting out there this week. Uh, I've enjoyed feeling like a, a normal person a little bit. All right, and uh, we're gonna get into some fantasy football stuff. Uh, we're gonna. Uh, talk about some different uh, terms and phrases that we often see in regards to fantasy football. Everybody talks about them. Uh, but we're going to do something a little different. We're, we're going to discuss what it actually means. And today's podcast is going to be about the term sleepers. Every person you follow in fantasy football will look at or listen to or read or any discussion you have, there's always some kind of sleeper list. So down the road, obviously, as it gets to the gets closer to the season, we're going to discuss specific players that we may put in that category. But I thought what would be interesting is to just have a discussion about the term sleepers. Uh, so I'll let you have first go at this. When you hear the term sleeper or view it as you're up, uh, you know, for upcoming football season and you make a so-called sleeper list. Tell me what is the term sleeper in, in, in the context of fantasy football mean to you? Yeah, great. So I, I like the term and I think, I think some, some people out there that, that are uh, talking about fantasy uh, prospects for the upcoming season, uh, they can misuse the term a little bit. You know, I, I don't want to include people that, you know, whether, and, and I think we've talked about this before, like in the wide receiver category, when we look at somewhere between, you know, wide receiver number seven and wide receiver number 20, there's not a lot of disparity about those kind of players. But for me, a sleeper is someone who's going to far surpass what may be in a, in a serpentine draft, his average draft position, um, or someone who's going to be on the very low end of the totem pole in terms of auction value, a player that's going to be a $1 or $2 player as opposed to a higher-valued player in an auction draft. That's the way I would think about the sleeper, very very simply. Yeah, I think, I think when people uh, the term, they think, well, what – seventh round wide receiver from East Tennessee State is going to be a guy that's going to excel. I mean, when I hear the word or think of the word sleeper in, 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 in relation to fantasy football, I insert the word value for sleeper. And it's, it's really just kind of piggybacking off what you said, which is that what player are you going to get value for, whether it's around what round you pick the player in a serpentine draft or what price you pay for the player in an auction draft. And I think that's what you're looking at. And when it comes to sleepers, honestly, it could be that seventh round wide receiver that's, you know, playing going to be a rookie this year. It could be a 10 year veteran. It, it doesn't have a specific, um, a specific, 
something to do with you know how many years he's played or how inexperienced or what he's going to do as a rookie. It, it, it really just relates to value. And uh, I think that's the easiest way to look at it. And people look at and get sleeper list or make their own sleeper list. That's the way should they should be looking at it is who will be value, who will be worth more uh, money than they, you get them for in an auction draft and what player in a snake draft should be a, a player that was taken maybe a few rounds earlier than you actually got the player. So, now, with the, with the definition out of the way, or at least how you and I perceive it, let's get into list. When you make or think about sleepers for the upcoming season, do you have a list of players that you will put in a particular group and have under the heading sleeper, uh, or do you just make your list out and then in your mind or in some sort of, uh, you know, writing or, or whatever, you know, you, or people do for their drafts, do you mark down um, players that you perceive as sleepers? I guess what I'm getting at is in preparation for the draft, is it a sleeper list or is it just players in your mind amongst all of the lists that you have uh, you know, mocked off as guys that can be good value picks. Yeah, I like to I like to make my own lists, and in addition, I, I really do like to see, uh, do, and I and I think I've mentioned this before. I, it's interesting to do mock drafts uh, before the season starts because you can get a handle in some instances of, or how players are going to be valued, and it gives you just an indication. It's just a baseline that you can maybe uh, you know compare what your notes are. And, and to what the wider public maybe thinks about it. So, uh, so I like looking at it from, from that perspective. And, and certainly another thing that I do like to do before the season starts is, is really look at the depth charts because at the end of the day, the sleeper story really comes down to opportunity. And a player getting that opportunity, whether, as you mentioned, it's a, it's a young player who was drafted late in the, in, in the fifth or sixth, seventh round of, of the NFL draft, or a veteran that gets an opportunity – to play a little bit more, maybe maybe he's seen as a uh, as a third receiver or, or that second running back who's going to be in there a little bit more. So that is the way I like to think about it. So I, I form my own list. I do like to see what people are thinking out there. And at the end of the day, I'm going to make my own opinion. I'm not going to listen to someone else. Uh, with the exception, like I, I've talked about this before as well, I really like listening to what beat writers have to say. Those are the guys that are following each and every practice every day in the offseason, during the preseason, and you get a sense of what kind of momentum a player has coming out of that. And it might not be as well wide known. You, wide known. you may have to dig around for that a little bit more. Yeah, so you you you, you make a, a group of a list of sleepers heading into a draft, and you'll have a, an opinion on them in terms of value. And things certainly can change as a draft is is you know is is taking place. Do you have a uh, in your mind before you sit down for a draft how many guys on that so-called, if you will, sleeper list that you would like to have on your team? I mean, if you're putting ten guys down, is there kind of like a numeric value? where you're saying, okay, I'd like two or three of these guys, half, I'd love to get as many as possible. Well, what's going into the thinking of your list of sleepers in relation to how many of those on the list you'd like to end up with? Yeah, and I think that's great. Your numbers are pretty good because I'll probably have a list of five or ten players that maybe will fit that category. And 
I'm really looking to, knowing that the, the likelihood that these players are not going to be held in high esteem by, by a number of people in, in, that are playing in leagues, yeah, I'm probably going to fill out the bottom of my roster in, in, a, in a few leagues. So it's probably going to be anywhere from like two to four players that compromise this list that I'm going to want to have in some way, shape, or form on my roster to really fill out a roster at the end of a draft. Yeah, I mean, so you and I are against each other in, in, in one league. We're uh, competitors against each other in one league. But what I love about this league, you know, is that there t- we have 24 players on our roster. It, it is deep. And you could have seven or even up to eight running backs or receivers. Uh, so I, I think it's a perfect league to take a few swings at. And there's going to be a few swings and misses. But, you know, what's interesting is the, is, the, is, the, is the contrast between an auction draft and a serpentine draft is that in an auction draft, all it takes is two or more guys to have a view on the same player for a so-called sleeper to escalate. And that seemed to happen, you know, last year between us with, um, with Justice Hill and Darwin Thompson, where we both had the same thought on the same guy. So what we ended up being a guys that it should have been relatively low in prices, um, they escalated into prices that they you know shouldn't have gone for, quite frankly. So h- how do you play that into an auction draft when you have a sleepers, some of them which you'd really like to have on your team, quite frankly, and you run across a guy or two that has the same idea, does that become frustrating? Do you have to show discipline? Uh, does it change with each player? What's the thinking when you get into a, 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 a con, you know a, a competitive bid on a player that you thought you'd get relatively cheap in an auction draft? Yeah, and I would say with the benefit of hindsight, I know my partner uh, Michael reminds me frequently about Justice Hill because uh, you know I kind of had a price price tag on that player coming into the draft, and you know for me, uh, like looking at that player, and it could be any player, but in this particular instance. I thought it was a player that had an opportunity. He had an older running back and a, and a less dynamic running back in front of in front of him. I thought he had more playmaking ability than the guys in front of him. And and if an injury had occurred, you know he would he would be a player that would rise very quickly to occasion, especially on a team that was looking to move the ball. So I got a little overexcited on the player. You know, part of it may be that that, that I saw you had the same level of excitement. Um, yeah. But I think sometimes yeah. restraint is necessary. And like, like with the benefit of hindsight, you know, last year probably was an instance where there should have been more restraint. That's not to say when the player did get some opportunities during the season, he did have some he did have some good uh, good moments. But I think you got to keep keep a level head about these kind of things, uh, particularly in an auction draft. I mean, it, you know, the Darwin Thompson bid that we had was was you know, in a way, it was pretty funny because, you know, who ended up getting the player was going to end up turning out to be the big loser because subsequent to the our draft, the Chiefs assigned Lashawn McCoy, which relatively put Darwin Thompson in in in, a, in at best a reserve role. Um, you know, going to a few examples uh, at last year's draft, um, I had a you know I had a couple of guys at wide receiver that I thought could be good value and could emerge. And plus, another thing about this particular league is it's a it's a dynasty league, so you can hold on players for the next few years after you draft them. So, two players I want to talk about in terms of a you know 
miss. I, I you know, I like Miles Boykin. I thought, I, quite frankly, he was going to be the, the the young receiver, the rookie receiver that was going to be a better, or at least, you know, in his first year, you know, as the season got on. But it, it proved that Hollywood Brown had the better year, and uh, maybe that'll continue. But I was wrong about Miles Boykin. But the other receiver that I kind of had to hit on was A.J. Brown. Um, he started off very slow with. Uh, with Mariota's quarterback. Once Tannehill got in there, A.J. Brown went went crazy, and now A.J. Brown is ranked, I think, somewhere within the top 15 for the upcoming season at the wide receiver position. Uh, so do you have any of those like kind of like hit and misses where you swing for the fences a few times and, uh, you know, all you're looking to do is hit like one home run at like, uh, you know, like in baseball. If you have three at-bats and you get one hit and you're a 333 hitter, you're in the Hall of Fame. So do you have uh, some examples of some real hits and misses over the years. No, you know it's kind of funny. You you talk about hits and misses, right? Like in, in the NFL draft itself, the, the the chances that a first round draft pick is going to be a successful draft pick is probably somewhere around fifty fifty. So, so to your point, you know, the, the, you know, you gotta you gotta do your work, and obviously sometimes you're going to be right and wrong. And and last year, my partner, as he reminded me multiple times, I was wrong about Justice Hill. I said the one guy last year I was right about, and I had him on three of the five teams that I belonged to, and that was Darren Waller. Uh, you know, a guy that was not ranked particularly high by most people, probably outside the top fifteen or twenty at the tight end position. You know, ends up having a thousand yards receiving. Uh, probably has like five or six touchdowns. And that ends up being a, a guy that in a, in, a, in a serpentine draft that was probably picked up in the very late rounds, you know, a second tight end type. And, 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 in, and in most, you know, auction type leagues, a player that was no more than $2 to, to pick up. So, you know, those are, those are, that's, those are two quick examples from, from the previous season. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're going to wrap up sleepers and then we're going to, you know, do another one on, on, on uh, breakout players and another one on bust. Uh, those are expressions and phrases and terms that we hear in fantasy football. But the one thing that I find, you know, pretty humorous or ironical about fantasy football when it comes to those terms, and you could tell me if you agree or disagree with this statement, is that a player can be a sleeper in one year and the next year he could be a bust and let's use your example as Darren Waller. So absolutely, you know, he looked great on the HBO show they were having the Raiders on and he, he, he looked like one of these guys that was getting his life together and he was young and had all this ability and he, he was he was tremendous. But you know, it, it looks for the upcoming year. You know, the sleeper tag is on. You know, the you know the, the the trains left the station. Like people are all aware of Darren Waller, and now. Do you think a player can go from a sleeper, and I'm not talking about a dynasty league where you have the guy and you're rewarded by having him at a great price, but I'm talking about redraft leagues where everyone's available the next year. Do you, do you agree with the premise that a player can be a sleeper and then he's ranked so high based on the year before that in relation to his draft value, a player, may, and it may not be the case for Waller this year, but just using him as an example, that a player can go from sleeper to bust in, in a year and vice versa. And, and absolutely, no question. I agree with it completely. Great statement. And I'll use one player as an example. Um, I'm a Giant fan. So 
back in, I guess it's like 2008, 2009, uh, the Giants are, are definitely going in a different direction at wide receiver. Amani Toomer starting to get a little old. And the Giants had drafted Steve Smith from, uh, not Steve Smith from Carolina, Ravens fame, but Steve Smith from USC, uh, came into camp, had an okay um his first year did nothing. Second year started to make some noise. And then he was coming into his third year, he was starting to get the sense this guy might do something. Ends up a pretty good sleeper. I, I had him on a couple of different teams. And expectations were super high for this player. And the next year, completely down to earth. Injuries were part of it, yes. But performance was, was incredibly, incredibly shortfall of what it was in the previous year. And I think, look, you have to look at a lot of different variables when it goes into this sort of thing. It, you could have a change in coaches. There could be injuries that, that affected. It. it could be a change of scheme, personnel. The, the, the offense goes into a different direction in terms of the formation. So there's a lot of different things to consider. And as I'm sure this year, there were going to be guys that, that are going to be touted in the top 15 or 20 at a particular position, and they're going to end up being a bust, and we'll talk a little bit more about this. And there are guys, that, if we look further down the list, that are actually going to be a, a much bigger surprise in terms of outperforming their draft status into the upcoming season. Yeah, I think there's a, you know, a, a tricky balancing line between what's considered a sleeper and what's considered a breakout player. And, and we're going to touch base on all of that. Look, we're going to double back and we're going to get to specific players, which kind of, you know, which we like to fit under those categories. But what we want to do is we want to like kind of give the definition, explain the meanings and the terms of these, you know, the, the definitions of these terms and phrases you see all the time. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, sleeper, just insert the word value there. Who are you going to get value for as compared to his price in an auction and draft, as compared to his round that he's drafted in a, in, in a, in a serpentine draft. And, uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to double back on specific players. Uh, upcoming podcasts are going to be about bust the definition of that and break out, you know, the, the definition of that. And we just want to explain to people and, uh, you know, like, like the guru was saying, you know, you have to take all of this into consideration, but the bottom line is the most important opinion is your own opinion. And so use us as a, a guide, but then, you know, that's the way you're going to learn is start to start to have a better understanding of these things and, uh, and make your own calls and decisions on these things. Uh, any other uh, thing you wanted to add about this yeah, uh, and I think, particular thing? Yeah, the, the, the only thing I would add is, I, I, you know, I, I, this goes back to what you're talking about, uh, forming your own opinion, but I think you do need some, you def definitely need some measures to help form those opinions. And, and for me, I really do enjoy looking at what the beat writers are saying and really digging into the details. And I think listening to these interviews of coaches and because I think a guy like Waller, if you listen to Gruden speak about the player last year, and, and you said you mentioned hard knocks, we had we had the privilege of actually seeing it on display. But, you know, you get a sense of what could potentially come. And I know some 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 coaches are poker face about this sort of stuff, but some are not. And I think you got to kind of do do some homework and figure that stuff out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that's true. You know, and, and there's nothing wrong with like listening and and you know following 
speed writers listening to us, looking at other podcasts or, you know, some people's opinions. But, you know, use that as a guide. But the bottom line is if you get overwhelmed with that information when you're sitting down for the draft, you're probably not going to do too well. So you need to, like – Use everything and all the people that you have uh, respect for in terms of their opinions. But at the at the you know the bottom line is have a game plan set, have understanding of these terms and what they mean, and go in there, enjoy, have fun with it, and try and just formulate after everything you've read and seen, formulate an opinion so there's no surprises, so you're not caught off guard. Where you have these three players that you must have, and then they get taken before your pick, and then you're all uh, discombobulated. So I think that's the bottom line. Uh, you know, what we're both saying is have some people that you're using as a guide and let that help you formulate your own opinion. And then, you know, you, you become in charge of your own destiny. And uh, I, think, I think that is the best way to go. And, um, yeah, I think that kind of wraps it up for uh, the sleeper edition. Anything uh further you want to add about this? Nope. That's all for me, Wiz. Thank you very much. It's been fun talking about it. Excellent.